This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. For our first episode of 2021, our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, will be reflecting on a list of notable buildings that was recorded by Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia or PAM in the 70s. Elizabeth Cardoso stumbled upon a list of notable buildings by Pam from the 70s during her early years with Badan Warisan Malaysia that include the usual suspects such as Bangunan Sultan Abdul Samad, Masjid Jami and Stadium Merdeka to the more niche but equally iconic buildings such as Pejabat Pus Besar, OCBC Building and the University Malaya Campus. So in this episode, we're going to reflect on said list and the fate of some of the buildings there. When I first joined Badan Warisan in 2000, one of the things I looked for was the kind of reference materials that would be available specifically and especially for information on the built heritage of Malaysia. And um, yeah, I found lots of things. But one of the things that I found, which I thought was, oh, really, that's quite nice, was a little booklet, uh, which was um, a publication from 1976, I believe it was, from PAM, the Protubuhan Architect Malaysia, put out by PAM. And um, I think it's uh, I got the president. Anyway, the person who, who wrote um, the main message was the late Dajah Shamal Bakri, you know, one of our first, earliest architects, um, Malaysian architects, yeah? And this book was called A Guide to Kuala Lumpur Notable Buildings. So I thought, oh, let's have a look at what they consider notable buildings. And there was a list of about 76 buildings, maybe 76 because of 1976, I'm not quite sure. But 76 buildings which dated from the late 19th century, mid-late 19th century through to the contemporary times, you know, the 1970s. And there was this list of buildings. And I looked at them and I thought it was an interesting way of sort of, you know, assessing what the architects, felt were notable, were important buildings. And over the years, I've gone back to the book to have a look at what's happened to these buildings in the meantime. And of the 76 buildings, at least, I would say, eight, ten of them have been demolished. A few others have been changed pretty substantially. And so I would say about of this maybe... 30%, you know, no longer exist in the form that they were recorded in this list, in this index of buildings. And the ones that were demolished include, you know, it was sort of from the Ampang Park shopping complex, for example, which is an early 70s. We talked about that last year, right? I mm-hmm. remember sometime or the year before. And it was the first shopping complex for KL like as a major, you know, designed as a shopping complex. Um, you have um, the AIA building, which was on Jalan Ampang, and the uh, importance of it recorded in this book, the, note, the, the part that they were talking about, which is notable, was the facade treatment. And that has disappeared. That's just entirely gone. You have um, buildings like Bok House, which was demolished in 2006, I remember long ago and 
many other buildings. Eastern Hotel, for example, that was demolished in the early 1990s. So between the 19, even though this book came out in the 1970s, by the end of the 1980s into the 1990s, several of these buildings disappeared from the face of the KL architectural landscape. And, you know, so that kind of begs the question as to, you know, how, how do we look at architectural heritage? How do we look at our built environment? How do we understand it? And what is important? 76 to now, 2001, we're talking about what, 45 years? In the past 45 years, buildings that were considered even more contemporary, more modern buildings, which were considered important enough to be recorded in this, disappeared. And as a matter of fact, when you look at the list of buildings which have been demolished, they include, I mentioned Ampang Park, um, the Hotel Equatorial, it's changed now. I mean, the whole, the original building was demolished and, and now they have a, an EQ um, hotel, but on the same site, owned by the same people. But the original building, which was a much smaller, high-rise, but smaller, uh, medium-rise maybe, you know, was demolished. The KL Hilton, which is really quite seminal on the hill, again, along um, Jalan Sosanisma, that demolished. And when people talk about the KL Hilton now, they think about KL Central. And then other little uh, buildings like a restaurant right yet. I don't know whether you ever knew it, but it was this um, restaurant uh, complex, public, um, that was built near uh, the Padang. And um, it had this quite distinctive, uh, what people call the Minangkabau style roofs, right? Um, and it was this little uh, food outlet facility um, that was there. And that's disappeared. Um, as part of the River of Life, or prior to that anyway, renovations and upgrading of the KL City Centre. The Selangor Chinese Recreation Club disappeared and it's never been rebuilt. It's uh, kind of almost a hole in the ground where Plaza Rakyat was supposed to have been built or next to it. The Sulaiman Court Flats, I think we've talked about that before. Other people have talked about that. Those were origin, you know, early uh, flats uh, being built. Um, now uh, is so good. So those are all sort of relatively early buildings that were put on um, the list of notable buildings. And then you have other buildings, which are, and, and those are all sort of relatively modern, if you, if you know what I mean. Mm. There are a couple of uh, buildings which are older, Bokhau, Eastern Hotel. They came, they're privately owned and came from um, a pre-independence era. When you start looking at that, most of the buildings which are either threatened, uh, empty, or are not going to be reused or whatever, really are the more modern ones, the ones that were built in the period that we consider, you know, the period of Malaysia, the period of Malaya and Malaysia, the post-independence Malaya. So, you know, it's sort of like, I suppose for me, it's a question of, how do we value, or what do we value, and our values change over a period of time, our perception of what is notable changes. So it would be kind of interesting to see what PAM or, you know, Architect Association would sort of put together today mm. as what is notable in terms of let's have a look at, you know, what is notable in this period that is considered a highlight. And this is only Kuala Lumpur, obviously, we're not talking about the rest. We're not talking about Selangor, yeah? we're only talking about KL. Hmm. 
So, yeah, so that was kind of like where I started, you know, trying to understand what this was about. And then alongside this, you know, I found that many of the buildings over the years have changed owners, have changed use. Some of them were threatened and have been, and the threats or the, the potential for being demolished have gone away because there was intervention and they have been gazetted. So the Vivekananda Ashram, for example, Stadium Merdeka and Stadium Nagara, you know, these, these are some examples of the buildings which were not demolished, although they were up for demolition. So there was, there was some intervention by various parties, very often by the local either civil society or professional groups, not necessarily the agencies, not necessarily statutory bodies. But obviously, statutory bodies had to be involved because they were the ones who would be able to stop, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, or to say, no, you may not demolish this. So over a period of 45 years, we have seen these changes. And I think these changes kind of reflect the contemporary, whatever was contemporary at that point, thinking about what made an important, a building important from a physical point of view, uh, from an architectural point of view. Because when you look at, I mentioned the AIA building, it's still the AIA building. They built a second block. They changed the facade of the original first block. It was originally there. So the whole look and feel of the, the, the two blocks don't reflect any sensibility, any memory of what it was originally seen by Pam as uh, the notable characteristics of the architectural characteristics, these elements that you see, and they disappeared. But in a building like the Majestic Hotel, which at one time again was slated for demolition, and then there was intervention, and the government stepped in and gazetted the building in, 19, in the early 1980s, after years and years of, you know, it was used as a national gallery and now it was left vacant for a long time. And then, and then uh, you know, there has been good intervention in the sense of the, the original building has been saved and restored and refurbished rather. And, um, the, you know, the, 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 the appearance of the building is still there. Definitely, it's still used as a hotel. And a new block has been built to complement, to add the facilities and the rooms that are needed in today age, you know, you you need more rooms, it has to be economically sustainable. And that's what's happened. So a new block has been built next to it. Mm. Did you know how how Pam defined notable? Uh, What's their definition of notable? I think um, they just said that, you know, these were buildings that they considered were architecturally distinctive, you know, and important as to take note of. It was quite an eclectic mixture. It wasn't like like a all buildings, you know, that even today we see as, you know, on, on the National Heritage Register, for example, or on the City Hall's list of buildings which are, you know, important. Not mm. all of them appear here. Mm. Um, so the Sulaiman building, for example, which is now, well, whatever the new KLRCA is, it, it, it became the Arbitration Centre, yeah? Mm. The Arbitration Centre, International Asian Arbitration Centre, and that's opposite the Majestic Hotel. That building has been kept in its entirety. A new block has been built, which has been built just two stories. 
uh, which doesn't impact on the the vistas, the view of the original, you know, the, the major building. But the Sulaiman building is not mentioned here. The Majestic Hotel is mentioned in this list. I didn't see the Sulaiman building here. But I saw the what they called at that time the bureau building that is now used by Javatan Waristan, which is behind. So the Sulaiman building is sandwiched between the Majestic Hotel on one side and this um, the OMGS uh, BPR building on the other side. The BPR building has been gazetted. The Majestic Hotel has been gazetted. The Sulaiman building is actually on the gazette list now. It wasn't then. And it was, you know, so you, you have this conjunction of, you know, a mixture. So how Pam decided uh, which was on or off the list is not explained in the book because it's just a preface that says, you know, we've come up with this list that we believe are important. That was our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, sharing her thoughts on the list of notable buildings by Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia in the 70s. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Barudin, and joining me this week is Elizabeth Cardosa, our resident heritage conservation expert. She recently dug up the list of notable buildings recorded by Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia, or PAM, in the 70s, and we're reflecting on the buildings that had been listed down. Here's the second part of the conversation. Uh, you're right, there is a, like a mix of a lot of different types of buildings. And I think uh, even there's this one that just said shop houses. <laughs> so I think it's a general yeah, reference yeah. to yeah, all the shop houses, houses right? in KL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you, you look at the number of shop houses, the, the, the shop house landscape. I'm not talking about youth, yeah? Mm. But really in terms of, you know, which street of shop houses is intact. A whole street, very few of them. There still are. And also whether they are in good condition, whether they are used only for storage or are they used, you know, as traditionally shop houses, but, you know, commercial and residential. Um, most of them are commercial in use, not residential. They don't have that dual function anymore. And, uh, you yeah, know, just how many intact, fully intact lots of um, shop houses you know, blocks of shop houses can you see if you walk around the city? You still can see quite a few. We do have quite a large number, but they're not intact in that same way. Lah. Yeah, and yeah, I saw that list of shop houses as well. I'm thinking, I wonder what they considered to be an important part of that, you know, list. And in the meantime, you know, from the 1980s, shop houses, including blocks of shop houses, were demolished by owners and with the permission of the city authorities, obviously. This kind of like appears to be almost independent of any statutory notice, you know what I mean? Mm. So so I, I kind of found that interesting. Um, sad in some ways, because it's it must have these must have been important enough for them to appear on this list. So you have University of Malaya campus. For example, um, the part of the campus that they're talking about was the original 
few, you know, um, the arts faculty, the library building, they went to the chancellor, that area of the campus, which was when it was originally built. And that that's what, when you look at the picture, the photo of the area, that's kind of what is reflected. So it's not the full, it's not the full, all the buildings. On the other hand, it does say University of Malaya campus, which I think is really an important thing because it's not just a single or a, an ensemble of buildings. It is actually a campus. So you are looking at, you know, a sensibility, which is all the residential colleges, even though they're not in the photo, you don't see them. But that's really what it means, you know, uh, um, that is what it suggests. You're looking at a higher education campus, which was purpose-built, um, reflecting a modernity, a development of, of the nation. Um, and so while other things have come up, a lot of, not all, but a lot of the original, these original structures still remain. Uh, they remain in use, more or less the same use, but they have had quite substantial changes made to them, facade treatments, um, you know, certain, the library building, for example, you used to access it from one direction, now you're accessing it from the opposite direction because of, uh, they expanded it, they needed to, you know, so, so there have been these changes made. Changes are not bad, are not a bad thing at all. I think changes are absolutely necessary. You know, when we, when you grow, you grow, your population grows, or the users grow. Um, when you change its use, changes will happen. You need to make sure that your facilities and your utilities are up to speed. Um, you need to make sure that, you know, in this day and age, we look at safety, we look at universal access. And you upgrade buildings to accommodate this. I mm. suppose in conservation terms, in heritage terms, we look at ensuring that these upgrades, these changes are done sensitively, taking into account the original building integrity and heritage value, you know, an architectural value of these places. So if you change its facade entirely, the building looks like a new building. Um, you don't recognize it. And so if... Uh, you talk to old people and you talk about the AIA building, they will have one memory of it and then they look at it now and they will not know that it's the same building. They will say, oh, it's, it's not here anymore, you know, that kind of thing. So how do you make changes and yet retain a certain sense of the original spirit, you know, and sensibility of the place? I think that these are kind of like critical issues that we really need to look at and understand from a cultural perspective and in terms of memory and identity of a place. So mm. that's kind of like really where I'm coming from and I, I was looking at this list. I mean, we could go through the whole list, you know, it's interesting. Um, some of the buildings were threatened. So you see two schools, you see the uh, Victoria Institution um, and then they also have what they call the Pangum Drama. Now, the Victoria Institution here is the uh, the building that we all we all think about as VI now, which is the one on Bukit Stalling. Yeah. Um, but um, the building that is referred to as the Pangum Drama is the original VI building, which is near the traffic police station off of uh, Jalan Tun Lee. 
And that building was completely raised. It was completely burnt to the ground, practically, and then reconstructed um, using uh, measure drawings that Adamwarisan had uh, managed to get commissioned to do to reconstruct in its, you know, and, and with, with some changes, obviously, because it needed to fit a different purpose. And now it's known as, uh, um, gosh, I don't know. I know that um, Jawatan Kabudayaan, JKKN, of the Ministry of Culture and Tourism, Tourism and Culture, use it, um, are housed there. And so it has a very strong cultural use. Um, you know, it was originally a school, and then it kept getting flooded because the river kept overflowing, and then they moved the VI to a different location. But that's sort of part of the VI story. So that part of the VI story remains intact because you have one. But there is no, unless people know it or are history buffs or belong to a VI cohort, you know, I mean, really, not anybody coming in doesn't actually know it as it was. It's, it's historical past. It's whole story. You know, you, you know parts of its story. You look at it in a contemporary sense, and you say, oh, JKKN building, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Pamudrama. That's the kind of, like I said, I'm not criticizing this as a bad thing, not at all. Mm. But from the understanding of identity and, and memory, and also trying to get people to almost buy into tradition and buy into our history, these parts of the stories, you know, can be celebrated, and they're not. <laughs> yeah. But coming back to a point that you made earlier in the interview about how, to a certain extent, the consciousness in trying to, I guess, protect and preserve these buildings recently. But but I think to a certain extent, uh, the fact that this list was created in 1976, but it has already, uh, I guess, listed down a lot of buildings that we now know and have been celebrating is kind of like a bit forward thinking on Pam's end, right? I mean, no, yeah, no, no. I think that there has been definitely um, a rise in awareness and consciousness of what these buildings do to the identity of a city, how they contribute to the character of a city, and having a range of your historical past, uh, from your very simple uh, structures to your monuments, uh, are things that the right, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, the ordinary person on the street will do, will have some sensibility, sense of it towards. What happens though, if you look at this list, a lot of the non, except for shop houses, yeah, a lot of the, and the, uh, and the, um, the restaurant, right, yeah, a lot of the structures actually are fairly monumental. Mm. You know, you, you, you see them, you go, oh, okay, got a bit of drama, lah. you know what I mean? Mm. But I'm, I'm looking, for example, at uh, um, a list of buildings that were structures that were um, designed by A.R. A.O. Coltman for BET at that time, uh, Booty Edwards Partnership, some of which are listed here. The Anglo-Oriental Building is what is with my Ikran now, or Makota Kot, I think it's called with my Ikran now. Uh, but it's been empty for a long time on Jalan Tangsi. But the old Rubber Research Institute on Jalan Ampang is not mentioned. Same designer. The Oriental Building, I don't remember seeing it on this list. But the OCBC Building, which is uh, now called Ruang and uh, run by Think City, uh, that's on this list. Same architect, huh? 
I'm all part of an ensemble. The audience cinema is not on this building, same architect. Okay? Hmm. Um, so you have five or six structures um, and the Lee Rubber Building, same architect. So from my perspective, I, I kind of look at it as, well, you're the Architects Institute, and I would have thought that, you know, as an ensemble, maybe that you only wanted you only wanted to put in 76 buildings because it was 1970. I don't know why 76 buildings. But I might have thought about, oh, what about these other structures, which are really also monumental, but they also represent a particular identity, distinctive character of an architectural practice that was very important and continues to be important in Malaysia, you know, in terms of the history of Malaysian architecture and architectural practices, for example. So these are the kinds of things that one I reflect on when I look at this list. And I was looking at it again late last year, you know, and thinking about it, you know, what has happened to these buildings. The demolitions have definitely slowed down except for shop houses, which continue. You know, the loss of these, the change in the structures, the change in use or the abandonment is also fairly, uh, it's, it's still there, waxing and waning, you know, depending. A few of them have actually been restored and, you know, have been given a new lease of life. So what was the former PAM building, the old PAM building, which you see on this list as well, is now called uh, Rumatangsi, you know, and DBKL have restored it and, you know, are, are leasing it out um, to a couple of, um, they take part of the building, they've given part of the building to, I think, the book people, the KL book people, um, book library or whatever, I'm not sure what it is, um, and um, and then part of it out um, on a private, you know, to a private entrepreneur. So you do have new use that way. You have Tanglin Hospital, which is on this list, which is on this list, and it's still there when you look at it, but actually the original blocks, the original timber blocks were demolished and re constructed in concrete because timber was considered to be, you know, not safe anymore. You know, so a lot of the, the old timbers, the old timber blocks uh, disappeared, but the style of it uh, remains the same. So if you didn't know what happened in between and you see an old photo and a new photo, if you don't look at it closely, you will miss it. The fact that it's actually been replaced by a lookalike. You have, uh, I see on this list, the British Council building, which is now, you know, part of the police headquarters on, on Bukit, Bukit Aman. And that was an award-winning building uh, designed by JKR in 1956. That is, but it's no longer called the British Council, and people think about the British Council in a different location now, um, unless you grew up or you had some connection with it, you know, and, and which means that you have to be um, over 20 years old. Do you know what I mean? Mm. To, to have that memory of the original building or where it used to be located. It was purpose-built for that reason. Um, so you have this kind of change. And then you have important, um, and you have schools. And schools always keep have a place in the heart of lots of people, yeah? But, you know, so you have St. John's Institution and VI, but you don't have Convent Bukit Anas, for example, on this list. Um, you have Lining Girls School which is um, vacant and it's probably going to be demolished because that was announced quite a long time ago. You have several hotels on this list. Um, and then you have, you know, institutional buildings like 
the old railway station, uh, the railway station administration building, all the buildings around the Padang, Dataran Merdeka, around that, the Bangunan Sultan of the Samad, you know, all the government buildings there, the old city hall building, the information office. So you have those buildings listed on this, in this list. And those remain intact and in use. Um, they're really very much part of the visual character of that part of the civic heart, you know, of KL, mm-hmm. including the shop houses. But like I said, shop houses are, because we have got so many, um, when a few disappear, you still have so many, right? What is the tipping point? At which point there are only a few left, you know, then what happens? Mm. Um, do you think that if Pam were to update this list, uh, would there be a lot more additional buildings that would be there? Like you mentioned, a lot of other buildings that you know were absent from this list. Do you I think that those buildings? Are notable there? buildings, so you would be looking at buildings which are contemporary, right, to today. You know, you can imagine. I mean, Daibumi will be in that list, right? Except one, Daibumi was a three three part complex of building, the tower block, the post office block, and the retail commercial block. The commercial block has been demolished. So what people think about Daibumi really as the tower, when it was originally conceived, it had three different, you know, it had three different parts to it and functioned differently. KLCC, uh, which is, um, you know, I mean, the Twin Towers plus the Third Tower plus the Max Tower, um, plus the convention center and the park, imagine, would be in that list, right? You can't ignore it. I mean, that would be, it's notable. Uh, mm. It's not just notable. I mean, it is iconic. And it represents uh, a particular aspiration, identity of the city and the city authorities and the way in which I think as citizens of Kuala Lumpur, uh, we would immediately Associated. So imagine if the Twin Towers wasn't there anymore. It would be like, uh, excuse me? You know, imagine if Parliament House wasn't there anymore. Uh, you know, but, but all of these buildings have had, except for KLCC, have had in one way or another sort of like a little bit of a, a threat. Oh, no longer in use, let's move it elsewhere. You know, let's build things around it because it's in, there's so much land around it. You know, why don't we use the land? Why don't we utilize it? better and we can use it better in the sense that we would be able to get some economic gain out of it. So is the economy of scale, is the economy, is that, is that, is the cost, is how much money can I make, you know, the be all and the end all? Um, or do we look for other sorts of values or should we be looking at other sorts of values in terms of making a decision as to what is important and should be kept? And if you know, I, I think it would be really quite interesting to see. Let's do a trial. You know, what do people consider to be a notable building? You know. Yeah.
You've been tuning in to I Love KL and this week we caught up with our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa to explore and reflect on the list of notable buildings recorded by Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia or PAM in the 70s. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl or app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin and you've been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.